welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. I'm Reverend Brenda Brooks Alexander. We are super excited you are joined us this morning in person or online. If you are joining us online, there is a platform that we would love to know that you are worshiping with us, and we invite you to fill out that information. If you are in the sanctuary, I've already seen you pass those pads, attendance pads, so that we may know that you are worshiping with us. We are grateful for your attendance this morning. Now, please join us as we prepare our hearts and minds as Peggy leads us in worship. Well, I know you feel the same way I do. Thanks to Peggy Graff for that beautiful prelude and, and way for us to prepare for worship. Friends, my name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here. In just a moment, we're going to be standing for the call to worship. Uh, and in the process of after we have the call to worship, we're going to remain standing for two things. Number one, for us to take an opportunity to offer the peace of Christ to one another, to, to greet people who are around you for a few moments, letting them know that you are glad that they're here. And then after that, we'll join together in hymn number 203, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. So would you please stand for the call to worship? 
We come here shouting, our voices lifted in praise. We come here singing, our songs full of joy. We come here dancing, our hearts rejoicing. To the Holy One who is worthy, all praise and glory forevermore. Amen. Thank you for greeting others right now with the peace of Christ.
As we remain standing, we now have this opportunity to join with our sisters and brothers in so many different Christian communities this morning as we affirm our faith using the historic Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Hello, everyone. Good morning and welcome. My name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. And together as a church community, we are going through an annual season that we call stewardship. It's a time for everyone in our congregation to take stock and to pray, to pause, and to reflect on how it is that we're being called to financially support the ministries that God has given to this portion of the church uh, into the coming year. And one of the ways that I like to do this is invite members of our congregation to come forward, to introduce themselves, and to share why it is that they're so committed to supporting the ministries of the church. So at this time, would you please do me a favor and warm up the room as I invite Dee Dee Holmes to come forward at this time. Hi, Dee Dee. Okay. So if you'll stand over right here next to me. Good morning. And I know you, but for anyone who doesn't know you, would you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Dee Dee Holmes. I've been a member here for over 20 years. I uh, started my life out as an accounting professor. I taught at Texas Tech and TCU. So it's really hard when it's football time. And even more now, because of Tech, I also am a really big Mahomes fan. So watch him at 3.30 this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, I have, I'm married. I have one daughter who is um, the best you could find. She's a, uh, she works at McLean Middle School and she's a counselor there. And you won't believe what these people have to deal with. And sure. She truly is um, blessed by God. I mean, she has um, knowledge and feelings like nobody I've ever seen. And what so are some of the great. ways that you're involved in life here at the church? You don't just attend worship, you're involved in other ways? Yes. Um, so, if I can tell a little bit of the story where it started out. I guess we are, yeah. Let's so, go. Uh, when, so I came as a little bit of a lost person, so trying to find my place. And there, I think it's a good story to know that there are multiple paths that, that people can take when, when they join and, and multiple activities. There are many activities for 
every age and, and different desire. And uh, so one of the first things I did was I joined Linda McDermott's um, class, the Thursday Theologians. And what was so good about the class was not just Linda and, and what we were learning, but the people in that class, the, the group of them is like nobody I've seen. They're, they're, they're so special in the way they reached out to, you know me, I was a newbie. And I learned so much about scripture from them because it came from such a kind space. It was, I grew up in kind of a, a hard knocks, you know, that's what religion was. Well, so seeing this kind and people explaining, it was a class where you could talk about personal issues and to have a group of people so knowledgeable that helped you see your, your way through the scripture was, you know, I was there for 20 years. It's, it's almost irreplaceable. And so it got me to want to go work at the mission. A lot of these people are involved. So when you talk about other aspects, so I worked at the mission and I, and I loved it. The people that you meet there, you know, you'd think the work might be hard, but it, it was maybe hard for them, but their stories were so inspiring and um, that you really wanted to do all you could to get them food, to get them from, if it was the justice ministries, to get them help from the issues they were having. And so I'm, that's one of the things I'm most proud of of the church is those activities, the mission and the justice, um, we do so much for people and w whether they're local or not local. And, and it's a shining beacon, I think, for this church. Yeah. And so that's why when you see those kind of things, it makes the giving easy. Um, when, when you believe in the programs and know how much, how badly they're needed for the people that are out there and, and helping them uh, live their life with either helping them get a roof over their head or food or help women get out of a situation that they shouldn't be in. So those are the things that have meant the most to me. And then I've, I've had the good fortune since Lance was here to work something with him. And man, he's good. We really enjoy those uh, Sunday mornings. So the, Even when I'm not here, I'll watch it on TV. So you're, you've been involved in Bible studies for 20 years. You've served different ways. What do you do when you're not at church? What do you do for fun with the rest of your life? I play with my dog. Uh, yeah. I just got back from um, Hawaii. I had a grandson that got married, so we're over there for two weeks. And I got knocked around. When they say, don't get in those Waikiki waves, don't do it. All right, it, so be careful surfing. It'll tear, tear you up, yeah. Wasn't trying to surf. So I've spent a lot of time traveling. It's yeah. slowed down some in recent years, but I love to travel. So you travel. Uh, you've got football teams you've got to pray for. You've got a lot going on in your life. And yet you still pause and take time to not only financially support the ministries of the church, but to make a commitment, to make a pledge. Why is that so important to you? Well, there are two things I was trying to decide. First of all, the, the people in this church are amazing. So, you know, we all are here supporting each other. And whether it's helping young kids grow or helping families in crisis, um, I was lucky enough the, the other thing other than, you know, the mission and the classes, you meet some wonderful people through uh, your Sunday communication committees and um, meeting Gay Fuller was one of the biggest blessings of my life. So it, a lot of those lessons come from yeah. people that are members of the church and uh, they're just very wise. I mean, God lives in them. 
Amen. Well, Didi, thank you for taking a moment for sharing your story with us. Would y'all please give Didi a round of applause? I appreciate you coming forward. If you're a member of the congregation, you received in the mail a letter from me within the last few weeks, as well as a pledge card. We have them in the seat backs in front of you. We have them in the Welcome Center as well. And the way that this works is you and your family pray and reflect on the commitment that you're able to make over the course of the upcoming year, and you submit that to the church. All of those pledges go to our finance committee, which is led by members of the congregation just like you. And based on your pledges, we're able to plan on the ministry budgets for the upcoming year. And the things that Dee Dee mentioned, the classes, the ministry, with children, the music ministries, the worship, all of these things are made possible because family like, families like you choose to live sacrificially so that you can live generously and support the ministry of the church. So I ask you to prayerfully consider how God is calling you to support the ministries of the church forward in the coming year. And it's in that spirit that there is nothing I can celebrate more about what's happening in and through the life of our community than the continued Pentecost of babies that God is sending to this church for baptism and recognition in the life of our community, and I would like to invite Pastor Brenda forward to lead us. Absolutely excited about the baptism. We invite this morning the family, the parents of Chandler Elois and William Weston to bring their children forward for infant baptism. Baptism is a sign of God's mercy and love, reminding us that we do not come into this relationship with God on the basis of anything we do, but rather on the basis of God's acceptance and gracious invitations of love to accept us. Children have always had an important place among the people of God. Remember the words of Jesus when he said, let the little children come to me, do not hinder them. For to such is the belong the kingdom of God. Now to the parents of Chandler and William, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, I do. And finally, will you nurture William Weston and Chandler Eloise in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. Did he just stick his hand in the baptismal water and lick it? That's, you're my kind of guy, William. This, you are right up my alley. Oh, I got to turn this way so my mom can see on the TV. William Weston, hey, buddy. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I've never been kissed. And pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Would you all lay a hand on William with me, please? 
William Weston, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may grow as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for making that so memorable for me. Here you go, buddy. Yeah. Hey, Chandler. How do you feel about me this morning? Hey, sweetie. Yeah. Chandler Eloise, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Would you lay a hand on her with me, please? Chandler Eloise, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may grow as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In case y'all are wondering, I put Gerber's sweet potato behind my ears <laughs> this morning. If y'all will parade William with me too as well, I just want to show you what God is continuing to do in our congregation over and over again as a church. We prioritize children. We prioritize their faith, making space for them, making time for them, making sure that they understand at every age that they are loved and cared for by God. And God continues to honor this by bringing more and more families into our congregation to make sure that they can receive discipleship here. So now together as a church, let us respond. If y'all want to pull it up on the screen. No? All right, let's see who knows it by memory. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that William Weston and Chandler Eloise may be turned by steadfast love, may be established in the faith, and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. to invite the children to come down to meet me for our time together. Kids, come on. friends, come on down. Glad you're here. Welcome. Good morning. Well, I wanted to tell you about the Wonka experiment. So many years ago, it was Halloween, and my girls, my two girls, who are now 23 and 21, were little. They were four and two. And Halloween at our house, I'm the one who sits on the front steps and gets to hand out the candy to the kids. And my wife, Miss Nina, would take our girls, Emma and Grace, in their costumes to the neighbors to say trick or treat and get some candy and come home. And when they were four and two, that part didn't last very long, which was nice because then Emma and Grace would come home, we'd do the bedtime routine, and they'd be in bed by about seven o'clock. But here's the thing, you know who doesn't go to bed at seven o'clock? Big kids on Halloween. And so the door would be knocking while we're trying to have Emma and Gracie go to bed. 
And so I'm like, all right, we've got to do something. We've got to figure something out because it's really time for Emma and Grace to go to bed and mommy and daddy aren't too far behind. But people keep knocking at the door. So we came up with an idea and I, I enlisted the help of my oldest daughter, Emma, who was four at the time. And so what we did was with the, this, we had about a half a bag of candy that was open and we poured it into a bowl and we put a sign on it that said, hello, please take one and leave the rest for friends. Happy Halloween. And we wanted to see what would happen if we did that. And we had a plan if that, if that works. So we put the bowl right there on the front porch, turned the lights on on the porch, and we turned all the rest of the lights off in the house. And she and I looked out the front window to see what would happen. And my wife, Miss Nina, didn't want any part of that. Something about ethics and experimenting on people without their knowledge, she didn't like. But this was science. And so we wanted to see what would happen. And so I told you it was big kids, bigger than you, big, bigger kids than you. They looked at the sign, they laughed, they dumped all the candy in their bags and they left. And Emma, who has been wired for fairness and justice since the day she was born, was just livid. Oh man, can you believe they did that? And I said, it's okay, don't worry about it, all it takes is one. We'll try it again next Halloween. Now, y'all, I didn't know I was starting something in that moment. I didn't know I was starting something special. I mean, there's no such thing as the first annual something. It's just called doing it. You have to do it two years in a row for it to be an annual anything. I didn't know I was starting something special. Sometimes that's the way it is. So, now the girls are five and two, and they're in their costumes, and they're done, and Emma remembered because when you tell a four-year-old something they remember it even a year later and she said dad let's do the Wonka experiment and Wonka we named it that because of a scene in a movie called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and I said you want to do it she goes uh-huh I said now it may go wrong failure is an option a result's a result you know sciencey things and she said yeah 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 so we put the, the rest of that open bag of candy in there put the sign on put the bowl there, turn the lights on the porch, turn the lights off in the house, and we got down there and we waited. And that very first kid, a little boy, not much older than anyone here, went and he read the sign and we could just see his wheels turning. And I think it's important for me to tell you a little bit more about the experiment because what none of the kids the previous year knew that if they had only taken one piece of candy, Emma and I were ready to come bursting out the door with a giant bag of candy to give to them if they took one piece. And I'm not, ta I'm talking about Reese's. I'm talking about, her I'm talking about the good stuff, Hershey's bars, right? Well, that first little kid came, he, read, he was thinking about it. He was thinking about it. And he took one little piece of candy, he put it in his bag, and he started walking down. And Emma and I just burst out the door like, hey, 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 tell me, what did you do? Did you take one piece of candy? And of course, mom on the sidewalk is now all of a sudden very attentive at what's happening. The strange man who just burst out the door at her child. 
And did you just take one piece of candy? Uh-huh. Did it say to just take one piece of candy? Uh-huh. And you did that? Uh-huh. That's amazing. And here, here's this whole bag. This is for you. Happy Halloween. Of course, now mom's crying. <laughs> and she's so happy. And of course, they left. And so that finally became a tradition. And I loved getting to do that. And soon Gracie was old enough to do that. And so it'd be the three of us just kind of with looking out. And did you know we did it four more times? It worked three more times. And that was pretty good. And then by the end, my girls were old enough and they were staying out later. And then it was the people who would take candy and we were just lucky they left us the bowl. But it, but it was this wonderful tradition, and we had no idea that, this, that we had created this special time. It was Halloween. You go door to door, you say trick or treat, you get candy, you say thank you, and you go to the next door. But we'd taken Halloween and took it from something where we take candy and where we, where we gave, not just what me, mom, and dad, but they were part of the giving, and that was so fun. And what's interesting, are you going to ask if we still do it? What's interesting is we never got any repeat business. You'd think, hey, this is the place if you just take one piece of candy, they come out with old chocolate factory. But that never happened. But I just want to challenge all of us, be on the lookout for something that might be the beginning of something really special. And you might not know it before it's happening. You might not know it while it's happening. But after it happened, you might go, man, that was really neat. I want to do that again. So keep your eyes peeled. And the last thing I want to say is, that's a pretty sorry thing for a children's minister. Talk about Halloween and come with an empty bowl, right? So when we go upstairs, I've got something for you. It's not candy, but it's something for you to take home. Because I, you know, because you would be those that would go and take one, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes, in front of everybody you would say that, yes. Yeah, yes, I'll take one question and or comment dangerous territory in a children's message, but I'm willing to risk it. Go ahead. Life is a circle. Life is a circle? They took one piece of candy. Uh-huh. They were kind, and they only took one piece. They were kind, took one piece. And then you were kind back to them, and you gave them a whole entire bag. Kind, and it gave them, and do you think they might be kind later on? We don't know for sure. Um, but they might be, right? So think about that. Think about what you could do in your life, in your world, maybe this week that might be the beginning of something special. Maybe it starts this morning in worship. If you would like to join us upstairs, and if you're someone who's a little shy to come down in front of everybody but wants to come hang out in the children's wing, come meet me right at that door. And the rest of us, let us stand together as we sing our hymn, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
Good morning, my name is Thane Arthur. I'm the treasurer here at the church. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the pew Bibles in front of you. The scripture is on page 279 in the Old Testament of the Pew Bible. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who led our Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, it is you who shall be shepherd of my people, Israel. You shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the Ark of God, and Ahio went in front of the Ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. Amen. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to extend words of thanks. I want to say thank you to Thane for being a perfect example of how you read scripture when there's a bunch of Hebrew words you don't know how to pronounce. Just hit it hard and move on. Act like you've been there before. Uzziah, Abinadab, Ohio, perfect pronunciation, but confidence is the key. So thankful to all the folks who are leading ministry throughout the church today. I want to thank the folks in the children's ministry and the youth ministry. I want to thank our musicians, our choir, our organist. I want to thank the folks who are connecting us online. I want to say a special word of hello to our worshiping community out in Cisco. Our uh, Wesleyan Adventurers went out to Cisco to visit Saturday. That's a community of our church who worships out in uh, Eastland County. And a bunch of our folks went out. And it was a hootenanny yesterday. So, so thankful for that connection and the tech team that makes it possible. My my name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor of the church, and I want to do one thing during our time together in church this morning, and I want to invite you to more church. That's what I want to do today. Uh, something very special is happening on Friday, November the 3rd. St. Andrew's United Methodist Church, which is uh, one of the oldest predominantly African-American churches in the city of Fort Worth, is celebrating their 135th anniversary on November 3rd. And they are doing so with a revival. That's a Friday night at 7 p.m. And they have deigned to invite me to come and be the revival speaker for that service. It's an incredible honor for me and the church. And if you're not familiar with revivals, what those 
those are are opportunities to experience a message that is full of hope and upliftingness, that draws you into a deeper relationship with the good news of Christ, that really sends you out feeling filled and ready for whatever the world has for you. It's a whole bunch of fun. It's a great opportunity to bring people who've never been to church before to experience something new. I hope you join us, and particularly because if you're not part of revival culture, something that's also traditional is that the pastor who's invited to speak brings their church with them to the revival to connect the congregations, build community and fellowship, and fill up the church. So I want to not only invite you for your sake, but also for mine. So I hope that you can join us on Friday, November the 3rd at 7 p.m. It's going to be an opportunity for two churches that don't typically worship together to come together. I hope you can make it. And if you can't, that's no problem. Just sit down, write me an email, let me know what's going on in your life that's more important than Jesus. (laughs) And I'll consider excused absences. So I hope that you can join us. It's going to be a blast. It's an incredible honor. I can't wait to be there. Today's scripture reading is an interesting scripture reading. There's a bunch of historical context in it. I need to teach you a little bit about what happened before these moments so you'll understand the significance of what happens in this moment. And the scripture reading calls into some serious questions. Things like, how do we take seriously wonderful things that are happening in the life of a person or in a community that has also done bad things? How do we celebrate good and wonderful things in the lives of a person or of a people that are also responsible for things that are not as God would have them be? How do we hold them together, understand them, and learn from them? And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about moving past a simple understanding of everything being just being good or bad and instead bring up the concept of alignment with God's purposes. So to help you understand what I mean My wife and I discovered a new band not too long ago. A few years ago, we discovered a new band that we love, and this is hard because the kind of music that we particularly love is 60s-style R&B. Think Stax Records, Solomon Burke, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. That's my wife and I's favorite style of music. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's not exactly topping the charts nowadays. So finding a new band that plays that kind of music is a really big deal, and we found one. They're from an entirely different country, but they make that 60s R&B style music, and they made a debut album that we just absolutely loved, and we played for house guests all the time when people came over, and they made a second album that we loved even more, that vintage, soul, raw, emotional, amazing music, and then they made a third album and a fourth album. Let's talk about those first two some more. Those first two were great, just incredible. The third and the fourth, no, not for us. But they came to town not too long ago. This band that's from an entirely different country, we've never seen them before. So my wife and I did something that was hard, and that is leave the home. With four kids, that's tough, but we did the babysitter thing and the ticket thing and the big night out thing, and we went to this show, a band that we've loved for years, and we go, and the music is not the first album, and it's not the second album. It's the new stuff. Anyone ever been there before? I love this music that you made, and this is what it was. I've never left a concert early before. It wasn't bad. It was just you know, Saturday night and Sunday's a school day. (laughs) So here's my question to you. Is that a good band or a bad band? That's not the right question to ask, is it? 
That's not the right question. Are they a good band or a bad band? The answer is they've made a bunch of different music. And some of the music they've made is really in alignment with what I love, with what fills me up, with what I'm looking for in a band. And they've made some music that's farther apart. Some of it's really aligned with me and some of it's not. That's the framework I want to use for our conversation today, in alignment or out of alignment. Now, that's a low-stakes example. It's about something subjective, like musical taste. Not much rides on it. But what about in alignment or out of alignment when we're talking about things that are incredibly important, things that are objectively true, like God's will in God's way and God's purposes for us? What happens when things are in alignment and what happens when they're not? We're in a sermon series right now called Beginnings, and these are scriptures that were picked over a year ago. There are these foundational stories that help us understand who God is, what God is doing when God's calling a people and setting them apart, beginning to reveal God's self to them, ultimately leading up to God joining us in Jesus the Christ. These stories help us understand these key foundational elements of people, of God, and of the relationship between us. And this story can be a hard story to hear because it's nestled inside of a big and complicated one. This reading today from 2 Samuel is right in the middle of a story of a man named David. If you've been to church for a long time, if you've studied the Bible, you know there is so much about David in Scripture. And here's where I want to lean into today's topic. I don't know if David is a good or bad person. If you're saying good or bad, how do you classify someone like David? Someone who we know God loves because God tells us God does. Someone who shows what it is to worship with their whole heart. Someone who's brave over and over again. And also, someone who is often wrong. Someone who's way too comfortable with violence. Someone who literally kills the messenger. Someone who is not faithful in marriage. Someone who fails to uphold some of the most basic concepts of decency and fairness and righteousness. The story of David can be hard to hear. And a culture like ours takes people like David and just says, get rid of them. They're unqualified to be listened to. Their story doesn't matter. Look what they've done to this person. Look who they've harmed. And all of those things and all of those consequences are true. But what happens when we so easily classify and discard and what do we miss? When I was studying in seminary, my favorite class was church history. And there's a lesson I'll never forget. It's about the Donatists, who were faithful Christians in the years three to 600 in North Africa. Now, if you'll remember your stories of history, there were times when the Roman Empire, before it converted, would actually lead Christian persecutions. It would hunt down and kill Christians just because they were Christian. It was believed that they were undermining the strength and the power of the empire by refusing to worship the emperor. Christians would be sought after and killed, particularly their leaders, the priests and the bishops. And often bishops would be captured and confronted by authorities, and they'd be given two options. You can either turn over your scriptures, which are priceless and incredibly rare, and you can renounce faith in Christ, or you can be killed. That's the choice that you were given. You can turn over your scriptures, betray your community, betray your Christ, or you can die. So many people chose to be martyred, but a significant number also chose to give up and to give in. They handed over scriptures and they renounced Christ. Years later, the persecutions ended, and a number of people who had made those decisions began to lead in church again. 
They resumed their roles of priests. They resumed their roles as bishops, even though in the past they had been traitors. They had forsaken Christ for the sake of saving their own lives. And if you think churches can get into dramatic disagreements over things like the color of the carpet, well, what happens if your bishop has formally renounced Christ to save their life? But this was challenging not only in terms of people's preferences, it brought into question the validity of their sacraments. For example, every priest is ordained by a bishop, and every priest that provides a baptism is doing so through the history of the great church. Well, what does it mean about your child and their baptism if the priest who did it was ordained by a heretical bishop? Is your child saved? Is your child in right relationship with the church? Can your child answer a call? This is the question in the Donatist controversy. The Donatists were the people who said, absolutely not. If anyone in this community has been part of turning away or falling short, then everything subsequently is absolutely invalid. There's disagreement that reigned in the church for hundreds of years until Christians finally landed on this opinion. Even if people failed, even if they failed to stand up and show up in the hardest and most difficult times, it does not invalidate what God has done through them for the purposes of good. Meaning the sacraments that you've received, the baptisms that have taken place, the ordinations that took place are still valid. They took place at the result of flawed human hands, but the work of God was still true and was still good. That influences the life of churches everywhere still today. And I think about that when I think about David. When I think about the biblical story of Israel, and when I talk about Israel today, I'm talking about the nation of Israel in the Bible, not the modern-day state. So many times in that story, there's these high-point moments. There's these points of deep connection, of being in sync with exactly whom God would have them be, and there's moments of being miles apart. This is a high-point moment. The scripture reading today is a story of two incredibly important things happening. One is the story of the unification of the two kingdoms of Israel, bringing the Hebrew people together as one for the first time ever. And it happened not through the sword and not through violence, but through patience. For seven years, David has been the anointed one from God who's led the people of Judah in peace. And even though Israel wouldn't formally recognize his authority or join with them, he refused to fight. Instead, through peace and patience and a persistent witness, he waited until the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, recognized what God was doing through him and joined through their own accord. This is a story of a kingdom united through peace and faithfulness and the presence of God, not through violence and through conquering. And in the next reading, the story of the bringing forward of the Ark of the Covenant, it's the story of the restoration of the way that things should be. God, in God's presence, put right back in the center of the nation exactly as God wanted it. There had been so much pain. There had been so much division. There had been so much fighting. There had been so much politicking. And now it is overcome. Now it is united. Now it is together, and God is right at the center. God's purposes and God's people are perfectly aligned for that moment. And it doesn't last forever. David's faithful following of God doesn't last perfectly 
forever. The people of Israel putting God at the center does not last perfectly forever. Living in accordance and in sync with whom God would have them be does not last perfectly forever. And God never gives up. God keeps calling and restoring and renewing, even with the people whom God is loving keep falling down. I bring that up because how easy is it in our culture today to look at people and say, you are wrong to the point of being bad? How easy it is, is it us? to divide the line between right and wrong, to declare everybody else on the other side of whatever it is that's pulling us apart and saying they are bad. And having labeled you bad, it justifies me doing anything to you. Anything. Because you're wrong. Because you're bad. Because you're on the other side. The truth is there is no us in them. There's just us. And the story of David is one that we take seriously because it's a model, not of a good person or a bad person, but a real person whose life is a testimony that sometimes when you are focused and committed and able, you can live in perfect sync with whom God would have you be. And if you fail, and if you step out of sync, and if you're drawn away, it's not too late for you to come back. This is such an easy story when we think about them. But the danger and the pain comes when we start applying that lens of right or wrong, in or out, good or wretched, when we look in the mirror. How many people in our families, how many people in our communities, how many people in our world have come to look in the mirror and say, because I did that, I'm bad forever. The truth is, Nothing can separate you from the love of God, and it is never too late to step back in sync. It is never too late to realign yourself with whom God would have you be. And even if you have moments in the past that seem to be the high point of connection and solidarity and sync with whom God would have you be, and in the intervening years or decades you've strayed so far, it is never too late to come back home. That's the story of David. That's the story of the nation of Israel in the Bible. That's the story of each and every one of us in these pews and watching online today. The story is not good or bad once and done. The story is how are we aligned with who God would have us be. The God who loves mercy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So, I'm going to close by inviting us into a time of active prayer, prayer that is not passive, but prayer that involves each of us actively engaging in the listening of what God has to say to us today. I invite you to sit up straight in your pew, wherever it is that you're sitting. If you're here with us on Fifth Street, I invite you to change the posture of your body if you're worshiping with us online. I invite you to open your ears, to open your heart, to listen to what God would say to us as together as Christ Church we enter in prayer. Great and loving God, the stories of the people in your scripture, the stories of your people is filled with people living in alignment with who you would have us be. People who are gentle and humble, full of mercy and self-control. People who love you with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. 
God, I ask for each individual person in this place that you bring to our mind's eye seasons, times, places in our lives where we were most aligned with who you would have us be. God, I would also ask that you lift in our mind's eye tonight, that you bring up in our mind's eye this morning where it is that we've strayed, where it is today that we've stepped farthest away from who you would have us be, for how you would have us understand you, for how you would have us treat others in our life. God, I ask that you bring to mind the places where we can come into closer alignment with you, knowing that everything we ask, we ask for in the name and the spirit of Christ, whose power and work makes any change possible. So, Lord, we ask you to show us how you would have us come closer into alignment with you, continuing on the steps of this journey of faith and trusting in the power and presence of your Son, Jesus the Christ, as together we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to ask our ushers to begin to come forward for the morning offering. I thank you in advance for your faithfulness and generosity. And because of what you do, this afternoon we can continue the annual event called the Halloween Carnival. It's a huge block party outside. Fifth Street stays blocked off. There are bounce houses. There are all kinds of things throughout the Justin parking lot. Many of you will be a part of it. We change our clothes. We put on costumes. We invite families from our neighborhood around us, families that are regularly part of the First Street Methodist Mission. And every family that comes today, they come simply offering canned goods and items for the mission. It's our way of thanking God together. So thank you for making this possible this year and for years to come. Let us pray. Oh God, for all that you have given us, we simply say thank you. And now we give back to others knowing that we never do it alone, but we do it with our sisters and our brothers. In Jesus' name, amen.
if this is your first time or the first of many, and you have questions or want to know more about how to get connected to First Church, we invite you to visit On Ramp where you can find out how to become, how to be a part of a small group, a Bible study, or how to serve in or outside of the walls of our church. If this is your first time here, we have a special gift for you and invite you to join us at On Ramp as well. Pastor talked about in his sermon how even though you are going through something, God is still at work in us. And so if you need prayer, we invite you to visit our congregational care team. As Pastor Mike mentioned, we do have a special Halloween carnival taking place in the Justin Building parking lot at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So typically on a Sunday, some folks who come here for church will leave their cars in the parking lot, maybe go enjoy uh, brunch or something else downtown. You don't want to do that today. We have a couple minutes for the lot to clean out, but then they're going to start setting up for the festival. So if, you're if your car stays there for too long, it's going to be blocked in by a pony ride pretty quickly, and you're going to have a hard time getting it out. So go ahead and make sure to move that to another lot. Our time together will soon be ended. Where will we go and what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen.